Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First. We're a podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner. And hey, Lindsay, do you know what I realized this week? What? Valentine's Day came and went. Yeah. And I did not even notice. Same here. I It did not click that Valentine's Day had occurred until, like, the TV shows I watched and the podcasts I listened to mentioned that it had happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, well, given our current state of singleness and my somewhat justification of not liking the holiday because it is completely manufactured by Hallmark, basically. Exactly. You and me were raised the same in that regard, or at least, I don't know, were you raised with that or did you figure it out on your own? Figured it out. See, I was raised with that. And besides, my parents weren't really that into it. Like, I did do some good uh, Valentine's Day cards in elementary school. One year, I managed to find uh, card capture Sakura ones. <gasps> nice. Yeah. And those were like the Valentines you give to the whole class, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, none of those. I only give Valentines to like to the other kids I like and my friends because I didn't have a lot of friends. And besides, my teachers, you know. By that point, they're like, no, everybody gets cards. <laughs> Sometimes you knew that the Valentines meant more to some people because they would get like two Hershey's kisses instead of just one. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I only ever got... I don't even think we did the whole Hershey kiss thing. Probably because like one of my schools is like pretty... They jumped onto the whole like no peanut stuff very oh, early yeah. on. Yeah, because we did have a kid who was, like, super allergic to peanut butter. There's no so, peanuts in kisses. Some of them do have peanuts or nuts or whatever. And my okay. teachers were, were hmm. of the type where it's like, we're not taking any chances. Whereas I had a teacher who a kid brought in some candy from Korea that had no English ingredients list on it. And she was like, oh, this is fine. And handed it out to the entire class. And one of them did have anaphylactic shock. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This, these were the same teachers who tried to get to fail me in math. Okay, yeah, now I can picture them being just, like, that stupid. Yep. So anyway, Valentine's Day and how it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I, and I couldn't even track the passage of time based on the seasonal aisle at my work. Yeah. Because we hardly got any Valentine's candy. Yeah, well, we got a bit, but, like, we definitely got a lot more Easter. Yes, like... My first shift in 2019, I walk into the back and I see three full pallets of mini eggs. Oh. But then again, mini eggs are worth it. Yes, they are. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to buy a whole pallet's worth. No, because that's insane. But. But, yeah. I can't I... eat all of those and live <laughs> within their best before times. Yeah. But, like, if I'm over at, like, shoppers or whatever, yeah, I'm going to buy a packet of mini eggs. I have considered just getting one of the big bags and sticking it in my locker for emergencies <laughs> yeah i should probably just like carry one in my backpack yep make me feel better someone tries to mug you and like she doesn't have any money she only has mini eggs <laughs> it's literally cards some coins from mexico <laughs> and some mini eggs yep <laughs> like these cards aren't even holographic <laughs> and these are these are pesos. One peso. Oh, that's 14 cents. <laughs> I remember we were in a, an American airport. We were buying some stuff from like a Starbucks or whatever. And 
my dad was using change to pay for our order. And the lady picked out all of the Canadian pennies. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're that eagle-eyed over there. <laughs> yeah, give them what our money's worth versus their money. It's like, mm, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Anyway, we're not here to talk about love. Well, we are here to talk a little about love. You ever been in love? Because if you have, you'll know. That's, I forgot the rest of the lyrics. Hey, we're talking about Legally Blonde this week. Yay! The 2000s classic. Yes. So 2000s when I think about all the fashions. Yeah, I'd say a good chunk of them hold up. Eh, there's a few, though, that it's like, oof. And well, see, the, the most gaudy of them are the ones that you see in the sorority sisters. Mm-hmm. And they're already supposed to be a parody of L.A. sorority sisters. And as far as I can tell, Los Angeles is constantly trying to become a parody of itself. Yeah, it seems like it. Everybody is gorgeous. I listened to the most recent episode of My Favorite Murder, and um, Karen got onto the topic of firefighters, because some people had to be rescued in her murder. And um, apparently, because everybody's already pretty good looking in LA, the firefighters are like quadruple hot. Yeah. Like, oh, are you on, like, Chicago Fire? No, you actually work here? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was listening to Power Up Everything Nintendo and Beyond, and Vigil and Emily were talking about the Fire Emblem calendar that you get if you pre-order the special edition of Three Houses. (laughs) And Vigil was trying to make the sexy Chrome calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, I'm... Hey... Preemptive apology to anyone who's a fan of Krom, but the other day I forgot his name and I called him Other Marth. Oh, yikes. So anyway, we all know what Legally Blonde is about, but in case you somehow missed out on Legally Blonde, Tanner, what is the summary? So it's about, it's set in an ancient medieval kingdom, uh, European-inspired and you've got all these knights and warriors, and one of them is the hero King Marth, and he has to save the kingdom from the forces of evil. So Legally Blonde is about a young woman <laughs> named Elle Woods, and she wants to marry her longtime boyfriend, Warren, but he decides to dump her before he goes to law school because she's not serious enough for him. Like, she's not a, a lawyer girlfriend. Yeah, uh, boyfriend is going to Harvard Law. So, of course, he has to basically, like, get together with a Kennedy or a Van... I think he's going for a Vanderbilt or something. A Vander something. Yeah, one of those old school peoples with a shit ton of money from the 1800s that were gone through very dubious means. Her own money! Oh, yeah, a Carnegie. Though I think they're more Yale people. <laughs> um, basically Oldest the people- balls! <laughs> Oldest balls. <laughs> you know them. They still run the country. I'm pulling up the Wikipedia page so I don't forget any character names. So Elle gets dumped and she decides that the best way to win. Oh, it's Warner, not Warren. Still. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. She decides the best way to get Warner back is to become a lawyer herself. And so she basically crams in order to pass the LSATs, right? LSATs? Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. Right, because you need an LSAT score of nearly 174 or no more Harvard for you. Uh, you need a killer essay or do not even hope and stunning letters from your betters any chance you know the Pope? 
<laughs> Legally Blonde was also made into a musical, and it's not my favorite musical necessarily. That's not an indictment. It's just it doesn't crack the like top five. It's still a good musical, and I do have several of the songs that I repeatedly listen to. Yeah. And it it just shows, like, how hard it is to get into the Ivy League schools. Like, they are academically very good. Yes. And Elle, Elle is great, but she does a little bit con her way into Harvard. But at the same time, she's got a 4.0 and she's attending UCL, uh, yeah, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, which is actually, like, one of the premier schools in the States. Actually, yeah, that's also true. And, like, she did... She has a 4.0 average in fashion merchandising. She did get into a hard-to-get-into school. She aced her LSATs, and this is someone who, like, the other people going to Harvard are, like, they planned this since birth, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Assigned Harvard at birth. Yeah. Elle is just like, you know what? Harvard Law seems cool. And also, I need to get my man. Yes. (laughs) But, But the movie also does imply that the main reason they actually accepted her is because Pretty Girl. Yeah, but to further illustrate how good UCLA is, um, as of 2017, there are 24 Nobel laureates, three Fields medalists, five Turing Award winners, two chief scientists of the U.S. Air Force um, are affiliated with UCLA as uh, faculty, researchers, or alumni. Among the current faculty members, 55 have been elected to the National Academy of Sciences, 28 to the National Academy of Engineering, 39 to the Institute of Medicine, and 124 to the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. So basically, Elle never even needed Harvard. Yeah. (laughs) She could have become like an aerospace engineer if she felt like it. Yeah. Or, Elle, sticking with law, she could just become like the most powerful producer in Hollywood. Yeah. The only good producer in Hollywood. Yeah. If anything, Harvard needs her. (laughs) Yeah, Harvard needs her. (laughs) I need Elle Woods in my life. Yes, we all need Um, an Elle Woods. We all need an Elle Woods. So Elle gets into Harvard, and her main goal, like, despite all how, despite how awesome she is, her main goal is still to win back Warner rather than actually be an awesome lawyer. And this is a problem because Warner, like, in the intervening, whatever, three, six months, however long, uh, Warner has already found a new girlfriend named Vivian. She's played by Selma Blair in, at her Selma Blairiest. Yeah. Elle, like, she tries a whole bunch of antics to win Warner back, but none of them are working. She does catch the eye, not necessarily romantically, just like she piques the interest of one of the teaching assistants, Emmett, played by Luke Wilson. Yeah. Um, he's... Th- I always forget that he's Owen Wilson's brother, even though they do look almost identical. Yeah. They even have the same nose. The only difference is that um, Owen Owen Wilson got, like, he was playing football and he basically got his nose crushed. Ah. Yeah, that's why it's kind of weird looking. I was going to say it's the hair. Yeah, it's the hair. Owen, have you ever seen Owen Wilson with short hair? No. I don't think, I don't think he's ever been out in public with short hair. Yeah. It would be a very... Honestly, the tabloids would be all over him if he shaved his hair. And you, you, and all the headlines would just be like, wow. <laughs> so Emmett sees Elle and he's like, wow, you could be a lawyer. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, dang, I could be a lawyer. And so she refocuses on becoming a lawyer rather than just winning Warner back. 
and she ends up becoming an intern of Professor Callahan, played by the Victor Garber. And the, like the so the first half of the movie is just the law school bits. The second half is her working with Garber and his interns. Nope, Callahan and his interns. <laughs> Garber is the actor. Callahan is the character. Yes. Does it seem like Victor plays a whole bunch of assholes and also Professor Stein? Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to think of the roles he was in because he was a an asshole ex husband in First Wives Club. He's an asshole in Legally Blonde. He was an asshole in Republic of Doyle. He was an asshole in Sleepy Hollow. Do you remember his, like, one scene in Sleepy Hollow? No. It was it was the first season finale where Ichabod and Abby were being, like, tempted by visions of what they desired. And Ichabod desired his father's approval. And his father was being played by Victor Garber. And then Ichabod was like... Wait a second, Daddy would never give his approval to me. You're a hallucination brought on by Satan. And the hallucination Daddy responded by biting into a wine glass and then just yelling. Okay. It was Um, hilarious. It was peak Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. He also played Thomas Andrews, who was a British businessman and shipbuilder. He was uh, the managing director and head of the drafting department of the shipbuilding company Halland and Wolf in Belfast, Ireland, as the naval architect in charge of the plant plans for the ocean liner RMS Titanic. He was traveling on board that vessel during her maiden voyage when the ship hit an iceberg on April 14, 1912. He perished along with more than 1,500 others. His body was never recovered. Wasn't he Rose's dad? No. Um, okay. Rose was traveling with her mom and her fiancé. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the ginger hair dude who tends to play all the over over the top assholes. He was the Duke in um oh fuck. Moulin Rouge. Okay. Yeah. I thought her no, I thought her fiance was Billy Zane. Yeah, that's Billy Zane. That's who I'm talking about. No, that's not Billy Zane. I thought it was Billy Zane. It, no, the Duke is absolutely not Billy Zane. Well, I thought Billy Zane was in uh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke is Richard Roxburgh. Okay, whatever. I'm wrong. He played Dracula in Von Helsing. <laughs> oh god, Von Helsing. Billy Zane is bald. You oh. thought Billy Zane was a ginger? Okay, whatever. Have you ever seen Billy Zane? It's been a while. Anyway, Lily <laughs> Blonde. Anyways, the second half of the movie is Elle and the other interns helping defend Ali Larder's character who's like a fitness mogul, and they're defending her in the uh, accused murder of her husband. During this time, Professor Victor Garber Callahan uh, tries to make a move on Elle, and she realizes, oh, you only brought me on because I'm pretty and not because of my actual legal skill. And so she like has the plot-mandated like third act distress. And then Emma comes back into the picture, and he's like, hey, I'll supervise you, and you can do the uh, cross-examination. And so, and Allie Larder fires Callahan and hires Elle, and Elle manages to break the witness and find out the real murderer. And they win, and everyone's happy. And then in, like, the epilogue, Warner gets dumped, and Elle ends up with Emmett, and she befriends Vivian because Vivian is good and Warner's a dick. And Professor Callahan is, like, casually fired, I think. Yeah. There's also a subplot with her hairdresser, Paulette, who she helps her regain custody of her dog. And then also seduce the UPS guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's 
all great. Yep. Um, so, and if, if it's so great, Tanner, then how are you rebooting it? Well, let me tell you, random listener, I'm making this into a TV series. And Lindsay, I think we've discussed this before. I def- I've definitely talked about it with someone. Was it in the car? <laughs> Been in the car, or maybe it was at a food court. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I feel like Legally Blonde, like I was actually surprised that no one has tried to make a Legally Blonde TV show. Mm-hmm. And it might be because, like, I think uh, Reese Witherspoon, who plays Elle, I think she became, like, a partial owner of the IP. And so, like, if you wanted mm. to make a Legally Blonde thing you would need her to produce it. Yes. I imagine lately she's been really busy with other projects. Yes, she is currently... uh, In December 2017, HBO renewed Big Little Lies for a second season, making the season a regular drama series instead of a miniseries. Witherspoon will act and produce in the Hulu miniseries Little Fires Everywhere. Witherspoon will also executive produce You Are Sleeping in an untitled comedy series from Colleen McGinnis. Witherspoon will also serve as an executive producer for the ABC comedy series based on the memoir Americanized by Sarah Saidi. Saidi? Witherspoon also has two films in pre-production as a producer, A White Lie and a documentary about Martina Navratilova. So she's busy. Yeah. But she does have a production company, so maybe she could delegate something to someone? Yeah, but I feel like if if we were making Legally Blonde the TV series, we, she would be, want her hand in directly. She would definitely be executive producer. Probably directing... And maybe a scriptwriter. Oh shit! Did you know they made a th- they made a third movie called Legally Blondes? Really? Plural. Plural. There were two whole blondes. Oh. They're Elle's cousins. Okay. Um, and it looks like at no point do they become lawyers. They're involved in student court, and it aired on ABC Family. Okay. The film is universally panned by critics. Yeah. Ooh, there's a lot of producers on that one. Yeah. The, listen, the more producers a thing has, the less likely it is that it's good. Yeah. It's sort of like when you see a lot of um, head script writers, or when you see something that has a lot of production companies attached to it, aside from like the big blockbuster stuff that need all of those production companies because somebody has to handle the CGI. Yeah, it means it got shuffled through like 18 different people who ended up not wanting to work on it, but still wanted their names attached to it. Or they did just enough work that they had to have their names attached to it, whether they wanted to or not. Yep. But also, I should also state that in 2018, Reese did uh, begin discussions with MGM to reduce a third installment. And... Oh, yeah. confirmed on a Twitter post that Legally Bond 3 is set to be released on May 8th, 2020. Okay. But, so, my idea for Legally Blonde the TV series um, probably would not have Reese playing Elle Woods because this is going to either adapt or take place immediately after the conclusion of the first film. Okay. Because we could, I think that you could very easily take the first movie and stretch it out across a full 22-episode season. Yeah. Like, yeah. the first, the first act would probably be the first two or three episodes mm-hmm. and the rest of that would be a lot of stuff invented whole cloth like case of the week type things for callahan's law firm yeah. it'd be very much be like the good counterpart to how to get away with murder <laughs> good as in morally or good yes. as in <laughs> no how to get away with murder is a very well-made show about 
almost entirely reprehensible. Well, they're not, they're good people. They just do terrible things. They are morally challenged. They're morally challenged people every <laughs> week. And <laughs> they're great at making horrible decisions. They have had a rough two years. Yeah. Uh, but Legally Blonde, the series would be about good people doing good things and making good decisions. Yes. The main if, thing being they're fucking hilarious. Yes. If if one of the writers was like, what if this week we had someone try to kill Elle Woods? They'd be <laughs> fired because they don't understand what the show is about. Yeah. No. We're talking about, like, defending someone who was trying to rescue puppies from <laughs> a puppy mill. No, that's too dark. Um, Well, like, we could still be dramatic. Yeah. Like, there, there could be, like, there's going to be the episode where Elle is trying to, is defending someone and she realizes that they're in the wrong and she faces the thing of, like, well, do I keep defending them because that's my job or do I try and stop the case because if I win, then that is an injustice. Yeah. But that doesn't have to be the regular thing. Like, there's a show, another show on ABC, another lawyer show called For the People. Okay. And it is, again, it's a lot more light than How to Go Away with Murder. And, mm -hmm. But it is about the public defenders on one side and the state attorneys on the other side, yeah. which means that every week, even though even though every case could theoretically have a right side and a wrong side, there is always going to be a good person defending or a good person fighting for the wrong side. And mm -hmm. both sides make a point that they have to keep doing that because, for example, if a lawyer just all of a sudden decides that this client doesn't deserve the best of their abilities then every other decision they make is called into question. And so yeah. they could be undermined when they are trying to help a person who is being wrongfully convicted or wrongfully hurt, and they're trying to stop this kind of injustice. But yeah. in doing so, they have, to, they have to navigate this and try and find places basically where they are okay with defending people who are legally correct but morally wrong or on the flip side arresting and charging people who are morally right but just legally in the wrong mm -hmm. because sometimes laws are dumb mm -hmm. legally blonde the series would never get so morally conundrumy no because i would also want to see a couple episodes where l is a public defender and has to deal with the usual suspects at uh at a police station L wouldn't be a public defender, or at least not necessarily in the first season, because the first yeah. season she would still be the intern. Yeah. I don't think you can be an intern and a public defender. Yeah, okay, I... Like, you have to... Again, going off of For the People, like, they, a lot of the characters were already in firms, and then they left because they got jobs as public defenders. Okay, so you and already was... have to be a lawyer. Yeah, and even so though she's public... she's probably doing research for cases, and yeah. helping out with cases. Or... She like she could end up in the police station for whatever reason, and she does some pro bono cases. Yeah, because they're ones that she could knock out really quickly, and it's like like the kind of stuff that a public defender would do. Mm -hmm. Also, going back to the big climatic part of Legally Blonde, when she figures out who the actual killer is because of a perm, yes. we could have a couple episodes <laughs> dealing with fashion related stuff. Yeah. Everything from copyright and uh, intellectual property disputes to, oh my god, one model started pushing the other model and just fight broke out. It's great. Mm -hmm. It could be like, I don't know if this is necessarily a thing, but 
it sounds like it could be like a fashion equivalent of the scandals going on with the Fortnite dances. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, can you like what a hip hop artist like design their own like special kind of clothing for a show and everyone starts mimicking it. So the artist tries to claim copyright on it and then that gets taken to court and becomes the idea of can you copyright this idea of fashion? Yeah, given the whole history of just copy whatever's mm-hmm. popular <laughs> intellectual <laughs> property this is a hint for a future episode involving a lot of copyright stuff in the future i mean intellectual property itself is a gordian nod of stupid oh god like copyright the intention for its creation was actually pretty good on the part of queen anne way back in the 1700s but it's just morphed into a monster yeah it needs to it needs to be scaled back so far. Oh god. Yeah. You get 10 years to this. It's 10 years after the creator's passing. Yeah. And then after that it's everybody's. Yes. Cuz give Fuck you. G- give chance if the family wants to do something with it, give them a chance, but otherwise into the winds. I mean, that's Lindsay, that's the premise of this whole show. Yeah. <laughs> because this is basically fan fiction and fan fiction is in a weird gray legal zone. Fan fiction is the Wild West, but fan fiction will also... I, I believe that fan fiction will save us all. Yes. Like, it's... Fan fiction has been the creation myth of entire nations. Cough, cough, Rome, cough, cough. Yep. I will never stop on the whole Virgil wrote fucking fan fiction way back in the day. The Greeks loved fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Look at their plays. The Gecko-Romans and everyone around in there, like the Egyptians, the Babylonians... <laughs> they were all down for it. Anyway, legal, legally blooned. <laughs> legally blooned. <laughs> so yeah, the first like it, the first season really could compare to like the first season of How to Get Away with Murder in the sense that you'd have some cases of the week, but you'd also have the uh, now I go have to find the character's name. Ah, ah! oh, I just clicked on like seven different wrong leaks in a row. Legally Blonde is based on a book. What? A 2001 comedy novel by American author Amanda Brown. No, it's the other way around. The book is based off of the novel. Oh, wait. No, yeah. The novel is the basis of the film. Oh. And it's 2003 sequel. Huh. The novel is based on Brown's experiences while enrolled at Stanford Law School. All right. Amanda Brown is an American novelist who wrote the novel Legally Blonde, which is the basis for the film and musical of the same name. Graduated from... Arizona State University in 93, then proceeded to study at Stanford Law School, never actually received a law degree, where she compiled funny letters and stories based on her experiences into a manuscript that would become the novel Legally Blonde. That's pretty baller, though. I mean, you make some funny notes in law school, you fail law school, you write a novel out of your experiences in law school, and turns into a book, and you had just immediately ride all of the royalties from that until the end of time. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's the dream. Yep. <laughs> Every writer's dream. Um, but anyways, okay. Brooke Taylor Windham is Allie Larder's character. Okay. So, yeah, for, th- for the majority of the series, like, probably most of, like, the back half and maybe the last few episodes of the first half of the season are about, like, that's the overarching case with some cases of the week mixed in there. Yeah. Um, we would still keep all the same beats of the film with, Elle trying to win over Warner while also, like, slowly falling for Emmett. Um, Vivian also slowly falling out of love with Warner. 
Because Warner's a fucking douche. He's so obnoxious. Yeah. And that's the goal. You're not supposed to like Werner. There's not even a gray area. He's just stupid and dumb and bad. Yeah. Well, his name is Warner Huntington III. Already, that's just like... Red flag. Yeah, red flag. Get away, girls. Get away. Yep. He probably is on the crew team. All right, and we'd also keep in... Um, Professor Callahan making a move on Elle mm-hmm. and her like her leaving and then coming back and in the finale of course is her winning the case and yeah. then like that would be like oh then where are you going to now like well I'm just going to keep doing Harvard and like I my dream isn't Warner anymore it's helping all of these people yeah now that could be the end of the first season or option two is that See, I do like the idea of just adapting the whole movie into the first season. Mm-hmm. But if for whatever reason that's something we couldn't do, then the what my idea for the second season could also be the first season. And it would just start immediately after the first movie ends and just go through the rest of Elle's time at Harvard. And yeah. so then we have a lot of more wiggle room because we can have different stories with Elle and Emmett and we can still have Warner there being the worst he can be. Yeah. We can have more character development for Vivian. We can give more character development to Paulette. We can introduce some of the sequel characters before they were there and Mm -hmm. do some, like, at some point, maybe we would reach the point, like, the show goes on long enough that we can do an adaptation of Red, White, and Blonde where Elle crusades to shut down animal testing across America. Yay! This is the America that is in the good timeline. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because Elle would eventually become president of the United States. Exactly. That's probably what the third movie is going to be about. Yeah. The brightest timeline versus this one, which I don't even know if this one's the darkest timeline, but it's definitely the stupidest. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So like the whole whole franchise takes place in good timeline America. Yep. Specific ideas I had for the second season would be after Callahan is let go from Harvard because Elle, or maybe he's not, like Elle could... We could be topical and have Elle bring up the sexual harassment, and then the second season is about him trying to keep his position while Elle is trying to mount the case against him, basically. Mm-hmm. And we can also have a supporting character, or, well, actually, no, hell, let's make her a main character, in the form of Professor Stromwell, who, she was a minor character in the first film. She throws Elle out of class near the beginning because she's not prepared. Yeah. Uh, but then later on, she appears at Paulette's salon to encourage Elle and like send her back into the courtroom so that she can finish the trial. Yeah. And she could become like a mentor figure to Elle, like starting in the first season and going into this, become a much more like kind of grooming Elle to essentially be her protege. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Elle never really got a mentor of any kind in any of the films. Other than yeah. Emmett. And it would be great. To, I mean, Emmett's a good, like, shoulder to lean on. But I'd love to have CL with another woman. Another f- woman lawyer who is supporting her. And like, like, oh, it was so hard for me back then. It's not necessarily going to be any easier for you. But to hell with it. Let's team up and show these bastards <laughs> what we can do. Yeah. I like that. I, like I said, the musical is good. But I don't want to draw too, too much from the musical. Mm-hmm. One thing I will do, though, is that they took Enid was a minor character in the movie, and she also got on as one of Callahan's interns. 
Mm-hmm. But like she didn't really do much in the film. So in the musical, Enid is a supporting character and she still doesn't get a lot of character development, but she acts as like a third woman alongside Ellen Vivian in the internship. Yeah. And she, her characterization is a very powerful, like next wave feminist like, girl mm-hmm. power all the way, veering into like almost concerning misandry at some points. Yeah. And so that could be a situation where in the second season, during all the sexual assault stuff that Elle is trying to bring against Callahan, there could be some male students who bring up that there has been harassment and misconduct towards them through women. And Enid could have the learning experience of, oh yeah, women can also take advantage of male students, and it's shitty. And it's there's variations, but it all comes down to same shit, different pile, and we need to stop it all over yeah. the place. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then... Warner, like, he'd shuffle off eventually, but he'd be there at least while Callahan is there, and he would be, like, Callahan's minion, essentially. (sighs) He would be the red pill or whatever who's trying to defend Callahan against all outside charges. Criticism and the... God. (laughs) You're making me hate Warner even more than I originally did. That's the goal. You see, you see this terrible male character? I've just made him worse. Great job. <laughs> you thought he hadn't hit rock bottom yet, but ooh boy, Tanner has plans. He's got a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the extent of it. Um, I don't have to go into a lot of detail, mainly because a lot of Legally Blonde stands on its own. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Legally Blonde, fucking watch it. God damn, it's good. Yeah. Vivian would probably be the bicon of the week. Yes. Every week. Yes. Because she, upon reflection, and also, like, the last time I remember watching this, Vivian gave me somewhat sapphic vibes. Like, not full-on gay, but definitely bi. She kind of got into L. Oh, and then she kind of got into L. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hang on, I just need to check something real quick. Oh, that's Archive of Our Own only has 137 fanfics for Legally Blonde, so that's a sin. Oh, but also, yeah. there's only nine Vivian slash L fanfics compared to the 70 Emmett and L fics. Ugh. Archive! Come on! I mean, it's not the archive's fault, it's the people. Okay, people who use Archive, please. Please! I'm gonna rally the troops so we can write L slash Villian. <laughs> I'm gonna rally the troops so we can write more Fem slash. Yes! Fem slash is good, especially for this fandom. Yes. So Vivian would probably, and also, like, if you look at her, her hair. Yeah. <laughs> she has bisexual hair. <laughs> I know that. I know that's a, a silly joke and absolutely never an indicator of anyone's actual true sexuality. But on the other hand, Vivian has bisexual hair. Yeah, she's got the bisexual lob. Yeah. Look, by the time I figured, I think it was you who figured out that I was. Um, that I was by, I think. No, no, it was it was, gr- it was all you. <laughs> I was I was completely a brick wall to any observation okay. on that dimension. Well, I think it was growing out my uh, very poorly chosen pixie cut, and it was starting to look like a lob. Yes. <laughs> I will hunt down and burn all of those pictures. <laughs> I mean, I think you managed to purge them all off of Facebook, so props to you. Yeah. Uh, it didn't help that, like, 
none of the hairdressers got like what sort of pixie I was going for, which was like the Audrey Hepburn and Roman Holiday. But apparently that's too hard, and they gave me like okay, it wasn't too much of like a butch lesbian one. They were more giving me like the middle aged mom one. <laughs> the Kate Goslin. Yeah, the Kate Goslin. The super short one. The the kind of haircut that says, Hi, I'm 50, but I still have fun. I go on cruises and safaris and eat Activia every minute of every day. Yeah. I fucking hate Activia yogurt. It looks like vomit. Yeah. Um, Greek yogurt all the way for me. Yeah, same here. Oh, have you tried the Scandinavian yogurt? Oh, no, not yet. It's it's the new big thing. It's probably pretty easy to find. Yeah. It's called Scat. <laughs> there's got to be some lingonberry fa- flavored ones <laughs> i haven't found one although i did have a lingonberry sunday when i was in calgary at ikea Ooh, yeah i gotta go to ikea i need to i need to get like a organizer for some stuff and i totally want to just load up on lingonberry stuff <laughs> it's like sweeter cranberry my parents bought, like, a few packages of the cookies at Ikea. Ooh, yeah. And then, like, afterwards they realized, wait, we can't take any of this on the flight because we only have carry-ons and we can't bring food. <laughs> we, we did end up dropping off one package with Grandma, but we managed to just down the rest of them. <laughs> Goddamn Swedes. And then there's the meatballs there. And the meatballs. Just... We actually didn't have any meatballs. Well, it's because we were going to get lunch at I'd there. Yeah. And the lineup for the actual restaurant was so Oof. long. We yeah. would have been there like an hour longer than we needed to be. Yeah. And it's like the, the meatballs are great, but we were on a time frame, so it wasn't worth the rush. Yeah. And so I, what ended up happening was my parents held out until we got to family's house. And then I grabbed a hot dog at the, the small food stand, but they also had the Sunday yeah. there. So like, ooh, Sunday. Yay. So after that tangent about <laughs> my hair. Yes. And meatballs. And yogurt. <laughs> and yogurt. <laughs> well, the, uh, on top of spaghetti, all covered in cheese. I lost my poor meatball to yogurt and hair. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bad combo right there. So the one last thing I want to mention about Legally Blonde, I can't think of any plot stuff, but also they're definitely... It could be Enid, but maybe just a wholly new character. But there should definitely be a trans woman in the cast. Yes. And be another person from Delta Nu. So maybe it's like a girl who is introduced in the second season and now she's following Elle's footsteps. She's like, oh my gosh, I can also parlay my 4.0 GPA in the history of hats and (laughs) turn it into a law degree. (laughs) because there is in legally blonde too like when Elle is trying to like gather resources and like get signatures for a petition she calls on the power of delta nu and then that's her sorority house and then delta nu like basically does a gondor calls for aid and they call (laughs) every single like associate and donor and alumnus that they can okay and in that scene one of the girls is like obviously a trans woman because she has like a, I don't know if she's actually played by a trans woman or just a guy in drag but she has masculine features and a deeper voice and like that's it's play, kind of played for laughs unfortunately like oh haha look there's a trans there's a trans person in the sorority yeah. that is like a, a black spot on the film but a lot of people have interpreted that as like because it's 
the punchline is that they exist, but the person, the girl is never actually targeted and made the butt of a joke necessarily. And so yeah. a lot of people have interpreted it as Delta Nu probably being one of the most accepting sororities mm-hmm. in the Greek system because they immediately like have accepted this trans girl, like even if she's not passing, because there's a whole lot of politics about how like judging a person based on how well they pass is yeah. the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Oh, I'm motoring now. <laughs> Delta Nu accepting a trans person in 2003 is also like... A huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so a lot of people have taken it as the portrayal in the movie, not the best. But the textual evidence basically says that they accepted her into the sorority with no ifs, no buts. Just as much a sister as everyone else has just as much girl power, or like the film's version of girl power, which is basically it's being early strong, 2000s. being capable... Yeah. Being strong, being capable, and uh, having a lot of resources at your disposal. Yeah. And so it's also like, she herself will be taken seriously by the Delta Nu contacts because she is Delta Nu. Yeah. Regardless of gender yeah. stuff. Because it seems like when you're Delta Nu, you're Delta Nu for life. Exactly. <laughs> it's almost like... <laughs> I don't know, one of those secret societies where it's like, you have this, like, tattooed somewhere. I mean, the Delta Nu logo is an a, a new inside a Delta, which is a triangle. So Delta Nu... <laughs> Delta, Delta Nu is the femi- Delta Nu is the feminist Illuminati that we all deserve. Yes! Oh my god! This could turn into its own thing. We could have, like, an entire comic book series about, like, the secret history of Delta Nu. <laughs> Victorian lady secret, like, trying to get into the old Ivy League schools back in the day while being stuck at, like, Bryn Mawr, and they're, they've got cloaks. <laughs> 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 and there are chants. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so while we've got the TV show going, we've also got this gritty comic book series. <laughs> Assassin's Creed <laughs> Delta New Edition. <laughs> Delta Nu, which was founded by Cassandra. (laughs) Because fuck everybody. (laughs) Including the gods. Exactly. This is... What's a man to a king? What's a king to a god? And what is god to Delta Nu? (laughs) There's something about us, like, turning normal young adult stuff into like secret societies and all that last week with archie being the quizzes hatterack and all the ladies of riverdale being benny chesseret <laughs> <laughs> tune in next week where we reboot gundam but with the cast of glee <laughs> oh my god it would be gundam seed um, I th- I think we've exhausted this as much as we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on on both sides of the reboot. <laughs> All those uh, historical female pirates were definitely members of Delta Nu. Yes. Um. Okay, Lindsay. Is there anything else you can think to add to completely <laughs> blonde the series or comic book? <laughs> oh. No, I think I've exhausted myself with <laughs> with Delta New is secretly the New World Order. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes. Okay, so while you recover, uh, let's cut away to one of our friendship sponsors. Hello, friends. I'm Janine. Let me tell you about Down to Friend. It's an interview podcast where I sit down and chat with very interesting people to get to know them better and to give them a moment to talk about the projects they're working on. We'll roll for questions on my D20Q list, and we'll give you, the listener, a chance to get a question using our Twitter. So check it out wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Down to Friend. Also, don't listen around kids. Swearing is gonna happen. So, Lindsay, um, where do you think you can be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476 on Twitter, and you can get to my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod, which are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they are pronounced TRAWS! <laughs> Just uh... kidding, they're pronounced NARF. You can also find this podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first, all one word. And the hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F. I will be checking that. Yep. I'm very tired. Lindsay has had a long week, a very hard valid. week. Valid. That's very yeah. valid. And oh, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, it is absolutely my fault that we have the most unwieldy hashtag possible. <sighs> Look, we all have our burdens. But, well, and we the hashtag is ours. We can't do Reboot Pod or Reboot Cast because those are taken by Hard Reboot. And if we do Reboot, then that's the show. And if we do Reboot Reboot, then that's the worst. Yeah. Um, anyways, you can also send us emails at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com. Send us your comments, your criticisms, your critiques, uh, stories uh, that your grandmother told you on her deathbed about how she was a secret member of Delta Nu. <laughs> and it's now passing on the knowledge to you. Yep. Are the Barton Bellas a secret chapter of Delta Nu? They must be. They do drink from a chalice. Yes. If you if you drink from a chalice, you're part of a secret society. It doesn't even matter what you're drinking or where. <laughs> um, yes. If you want to drink from our chalice of reboots, then you can contact us through the email or any of the social media. If you've got an idea of something that you want to see a ruby a rebeat, <laughs> <laughs> reboot, a reboot. reboot or a revival, a remake, an adaptation, a sequel, a something. If you've got an idea for it, then send us a message. Uh, doesn't matter, like, the limit does not exist on what kind of weird idea you have. We'll find a time for you, and you can send it to us and surprise us when you come on the show as a guest. Yeah. Did that make sense? I feel like I said a whole lot of words with no connective tissue at the end. Basically, if you want to come on to the show, come with an idea, surprise us, use the email. Yes. Or Twitter. We've, we've gotten or Twitter. some. Like, yeah, the, well, the Twitter message is open. We've got some people through there. Yep. DMs, too. I'll yep. be checking them. Um, rate and review us. Yes. We forgot that, that last week. Yeah, that, that helps with the algorithm. However and... it may function. Yes, a unknowable uh, and Eldritchian god. Yes. <laughs> it, it is the apple. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Tanner, do you want a clue as to what I'll be rebooting next week? Uh, no, but I'll have a hint. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, this will be an addition, a new installment to a franchise 
a particular part of a franchise that uh, looks into the mysteries of life and death and mega evolution, an addition that needed to happen, but hasn't, dot 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 yet. Go! Came out in 2001. That's why I'm like, ooh, the fashions are very, very 2000s. The fashions for Fire Emblem or Legally Blonde? Legally Blonde.